0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, are chatbots coming for your job?
2: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?
1: Can you write me a Today in Focus podcast intro, for The Guardian, about chatbots? Sure. Here's an intro for a Guardian Today
2: in Focus podcast
1: episode about chatbots. Okay. Here goes. Hello, and welcome to Today in Focus, The Guardian's daily podcast bringing you in-depth analysis and the latest news. Today we're exploring the rise of chatbots and how they're changing the way we interact with technology from customer service to mental health support. Chatbots are becoming increasingly prevalent in our lives. But as we rely on them more and more, what impact are they having on our privacy and how we communicate? And with AI-powered chatbots getting smarter every day, what does the future of this technology look like? Well, ChatGPT is certainly giving me a run for my money. But don't worry the rest of this podcast will be generated by humans. The latest creation from the company OpenAI has been a viral sensation. Google, Microsoft and Meta are desperate to dominate artificial intelligence. And that's because experts expect chatbots will transform our jobs, education and the world as we interact with it. From The Guardian, I'm Nashi Nekbal. Today in Focus, chatbots are here to revolutionise society, but are we ready for them? Chris Stokel-Walker, you're a reporter who covers the latest developments in big tech. Can you talk me through a brief history of chatbots? When did they arrive and how far has the technology come?
0: Yeah, chatbots have been around for an awfully long time, but they've traditionally been really pretty useless. We might encounter them in apps or services that we use, sometimes online banking, will pop up a little message when you visit their website and says, Can I help you with something? And essentially those chatbots take what you say, pick out the keywords from it, and then provide pre-prepared answers. What we've seen in the last year is a huge recent revolution in how this stuff works, which is powered by artificial intelligence.
1: And can you tell me about some of the developments in the last year? Why are we talking about chatbots today? Why are they having such a moment?
0: It's all down to one company, essentially, which is based in San Francisco, is a artificial intelligence development firm, uh, a company called OpenAI.
2: Imagine the wildest idea that you've ever had. This is a place where you can get to do that. OpenAI
1: is building the general technologies that can extend the reach of the human
2: brain and our creativity.
0: Very very interesting company that has been doing a lot of really interesting work in the field of artificial intelligence. And in November, it released a tool called ChatGPT. What ChatGPT did differently was it introduced this idea of the chatbot. You can actually converse with it by asking it questions. It tries to understand, and I say understand in inverted commas because it really doesn't, but tries to understand what it is that you've asked it and then actually engages in a conversation with you. And the way that it does that is by being trained on a vast corpus of pre-existing text data. A thing called a large language model powers ChatGPT. And a large language model is essentially looking at huge amounts of pre-existing text. So it could be the contents of Wikipedia. It could be various posts on Twitter or Facebook. And it looks at how those sentences are constructed in a natural language-based way. It looks at uh, the information within those sentences and how the concepts within them are linked together. Putting those two things together, you get what is essentially ChatGPT, which is this massive intuitive tool that is actually a computer but acts like a human.
1: Okay, in that case, let's have a little demonstration to see the power of chat gpt with you if you want to pick i don't know your favorite band and let's ask it to write a song in that band style
0: crikey i am i i'm a terrible kind of indie fan and my music tastes are stuck about 10 years ago so my favorite band i think are the hold steady brilliant okay it's a guardian podcast there'll be lots of hold steady fans on this i'm sure
1: okay tom are you able to fire up chat gpt for us he says, "One sec It's given us. Are you ready?: Yeah. In the labs of Silicon Valley, where the brightest minds do rally, they crafted a machine so fine, a generative AI so divine, no limits to its power and might, the rise of AI shining so bright. That's the chorus, by the way. Um, verse two: "From language to art, it learns with ease, with every data point, it sees, goes, goes on and on.:
0: Oh gosh. I think without the backing music, it's difficult to get that fine line between the perfect lyricism of Craig Finn, who is the <laughs> the genius behind Hold Steady, and the kind of "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" style poem that maybe it could have produced. Um, you know, it, it it will certainly do a passable version. I've seen lots of these because what it does is essentially it just takes the lyrics of existing bands takes what it knows about a subject and it puts the two together and it does get very convincing very fast.
1: wonder if you could tell me a bit about the sensation it caused when it was launched in November.
0: Yeah, uh, millions of people have now used ChatGPT and they're people who you, you traditionally wouldn't associate as being particularly techie. And that's kind of what I think is the secret source of what's made OpenAI's latest development quite so powerful is it's an open free beta so you you know they admit that they are still testing it. There will be some kinks in the system that won't entirely be ironed out. But they gave access to people to use it for free, and people did. Uh, one analysis by UBS, the investment bank, estimates that sort of 13 million people are using this regularly. It has become so popular that the servers which powered it were overloaded, and now you kind of have to either be on a wait list for a long period of time or fork out some money in order to get access to it without having to hang around
1: so I'm quite curious you said there are millions of daily users and obviously the way that I've encountered it is mostly through that sort of novel fun aspect you know talk to me as if you're my best friend or write me a poem based on x and y what do the regular users who have now incorporated this into their working life how are they using it
0: People are using it in lots of different ways. It's kind of been fascinating to see the different ways that people have tried out this technology to try and understand it. Yo, ChatGPT is the craziest thing
2: I have ever seen. Here I'm gonna say write code for a website template. So I said write a five paragraph essay analyzing the relationship between Gatsby and Daisy and the great Gatsby. You can just read what it said and tell me if you think it's good. Here, I'll get out of the way. Okay, so this is the rap that the AI wrote for me. Here we go. I'm sorry for the delay. I know you've been waiting. I've been busy learning how to renovate my house in KC. But
0: I so that everyday it. users might ask it to develop, I don't know, a, a summary of the latest episode of EastEnders in the form of Shakespeare. You have those sorts of tinkerers. Then you have these kind of really hardcore tech and business bros who are using this because they realize that it is a revolutionary thing that can really streamline the way they work.
2: This is the absolute best ChatGPT prompt. I pretty much use this for everything I need. Basically, the Today,
0: prompt- we are going to look at how you can 10x your Excel skills by using ChatGPT. But what I find really fascinating is that you know, all of these things, they share a, a similarity, which is these tools can be put to almost any use. It's the, the limits of your imagination that are the limiting factor on this, and it will have a, a passable attempt at doing so, which is what makes it quite so interesting.
1: And what about the response from Google and from other tech companies in terms of what the success of Chat GPT has prompted for them?
0: Yeah, Google and other companies have kind of seen this monster coming over the hill, and they've got very scared. And I think it's because they recognize the strength of this. You know, Microsoft, one of the world's biggest tech companies, invested $10 billion into OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, late last month in order to kind of get a, a foothold in this.
2: Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella finally thinks he has what it takes to make Bing happen. Bing with AI is going to completely change what people can expect from search. I feel like a
0: new race is starting with a complete new platform. We know that other big tech companies are developing something similar and have been for a similar length of time, although they haven't gone public with it. But what's really fascinating is, up until the last couple of weeks, those big tech companies have been holding off on releasing it and actually kind of downplaying the importance of it and why they haven't so far stepped into this space because they say that it's a, a really high stakes game you know large language models conversational ai can go very wrong very quickly and so they say well it's all well and good for open ai to do this they can run the risk of something going wrong and it damaging their reputation but if you're a, a google or a meta a big company like that you couldn't possibly risk that and that position held maybe for about a month and then they realized chat gpt is here to stay and actually it's really vital and so they've had to kind of join them.
2: Hello, everyone. Bonjour. Welcome.
1: We're here in France.
0: So Google decided we need to do something.
1: What a fitting setting to talk about the next frontier for our information products and how AI
0: is powering that future. The first week of February. They announced that they were going to integrate this thing called BARD, which was their equivalent of the large language model, into uh, their search engine. They were trialing it at the minute. They had a presentation where they unveiled this.
1: That's why we're in the magic of generative AI directly to your search results. So soon, if you ask, what are the best constellations to look for when stargazing? New generative AI features will help us organize complex information...
0: They asked a question about a space telescope developed by NASA, the James Webb Space Telescope. They claimed in that, or rather BARD claimed in that, that it was used to take the very first pictures of a planet outside of the solar system. Issue was, it didn't.
1: And surely that unveiling, it was probably quite embarrassing for Google. Do you know what impact it then had for the company?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say it was a bit more than embarrassing. Fallout from BARD's blunder, Google employees criticizing their own company on an internal
2: forum after shares fell nearly 10% this week, messages and memes describing uh, the effort as rushed, botched, and comically short-sighted. Let's bring in
0: CNBC's Jennifer... It wiped $100 billion off the price of Google, its market capitalization. This was Google touting its expertise, its revolutionary knowledge in this space, and it going over like a wet fart in church. Now, it's worth pointing out, Google said that this was actually good. PRs always say this is actually good. They said that it kind of highlighted the importance of actually testing these things. It said, well, this is part of the process. It will make mistakes, but we will learn from it. Having said that, it's very difficult once you get that perception to actually win it back.
1: So these chatbots are using the internet as its data pool and the internet as we know is where there is a wealth of useful information but also where fake news spreads at pace where the most offensive things you can see or read live Chris isn't that worrying and how does it affect bots
0: Hugely worrying it's it's really concerning there's lots of academic research that shows that AI models in general are very, very poor at reflecting our society because they amplify some of the worst bits. Um, we've seen this already with ChatGPT and other large language models like it, where you can prompt it into spewing racist hate or replicating subconscious racial biases. All of these things are big issues, and they're ones that um, these tools have to overcome. One of the ways that they've tried to do that is by integrating a sort of human element. There was research recently A really excellent report that suggested that uh, OpenAI was training chat GPT using underpaid moderators uh, in Africa who were kind of being fed the most terrible diet of information through the bot and asked to kind of correct it. And so there is this real concern I think amongst tech ethicists that if we don't slow down, if we don't think through the ramifications of this, you know, what happens if a chatbot starts spewing disinformation? What happens if a chatbot turns racist? What happens if the data that it's trained on actually turns out to be much more sketchy than we thought? If we don't think about those things, then we could have real real impact along the way because this is being used for everything now school students are using this for their homework university students are using this for essays business people are using this for business plans
1: well chris let's talk about our jobs let's talk about journalism because i did see that you wrote a piece in which you asked a chatbot or tried to use one and experiment with one to see if it could do your job for you what was that experience like
0: I used it to try and write me part of the story. Spoiler alert, wasn't very good. Um, But I did ask it to craft me an email that I could send to potential interviewees, asking them for a time to do an interview. I asked it to then develop me questions for those interviewees based on the story that I wanted to tell. I then gave it the sort of uh, hypothesis of the story, and the quotes from the interviewees, oh, and wow. asked it to actually pull together the story.
1: I've missed a trick. I should have. I should have put my entire episode interview questions into ChatGPT. No, I, I find it fascinating. Would it not have been quicker for you to do those things yourself?
0: Well, yeah, I am. I am quite a quick journalist, so it probably would have actually. And th- the key thing is, it created fiction truthfully. (laughs) And that's the kind of key thing. There is this issue in AI, and it's one of those um, ones that we haven't yet fixed, which is called hallucination. Basically, (laughs) if I can put it this way, ChatGPT and other generative AI tools like it are the computer equivalent of the most obnoxious Oxbridge graduate that you've ever seen, in that if it doesn't know something, it will blag it. And it will blag it in a way that can be quite harmful.
1: So Chris, there's clearly a huge appetite for these bots. And we're seeing these companies race to get their versions of the chatbot out to the public. Sometimes, as we've seen with mixed results. But what impact might these chatbots have on our lives or society at large?
0: I think that they could have a huge impact. I think that... Yeah, it's it's not inconceivable. In fact, it's probably very likely that in the next year or two the use of these chatbots will become really commonplace and the way we interact with it is so much more human like. And that's really what's different about it. Chat GPT is essentially, you know, coming towards you and it's saying, How can I help you? I'm your friend. How can I serve what you need? They are so easy to use and they are becoming so ubiquitous that we'll just use them as a, a kind of an additional memory bank as a, a way of remembering things as a way of solving things so it's it's potentially hugely transformative in everything that we do
1: and what about the impact on jobs in the economy which industries or which professions might see ChatGPT take over
0: yeah, I think if you work in a call center, you probably might want to look elsewhere in the, in the next couple of years because it's it's kind of obvious that, you know, customer service roles where you are interacting with people and answering their questions and providing them with answers are really ripe for replacement by ChatGPT. But then I think beyond that, it's almost any job that involves translating the world from one way to another way for a customer or a person, and that means, you know, frankly, once ChatGPT understands the importance of objective truth and you know not making things up, potentially journalists have you know a, a kind of big question over their future existence. Likewise, copywriters or or technical writers, people who can develop these things, um, computer coders, anything I think that can be relatively easily automated and involves the production of text in some way is in a bit of a tricky spot right now.
1: But surely anyone who has encountered calling a call center and having someone who has to stick very strictly to their script can testify. It's maddening enough talking to an actual human person, how is this going to be ironed out with chatbots?
0: Truthfully, I don't think it will be. And that's kind of the thing. But that's less a tech issue and more a business issue, which is that it's far more efficient for them to operate ChatGPT than it is to staff up an entire call center. I mean, I think what will happen is that, and this is one of the key things about chatbots, is the more that they do the more that they learn. So the more that they don't answer the question and the person behind it says, hang on, that wasn't right, the more that they will learn to adapt. And so they are always building their knowledge, which makes me think that they will eventually get to the equal of a human call centre operative and maybe even better than.
1: There is one obvious group that I think is probably cheering the rise of chatbots, and that's students. I mean, I do find it bonkers, for instance, that they may be able to ask a chatbot to churn out their essay the night before the deadline. And I wonder, what do you think this could then mean for education?
0: I think that it is going to iron out some of the kind of the easy bad practices that education has gone into. The idea of writing a, a very boring essay that stays the same over the last 20 years I think is just no longer a goer that's that's not possible anymore in its place you know, we're already seeing academics trying to adapt to this some are deciding that they're going to integrate chat GPT into their assignments and they're saying we want you to use it because we know that this is a valid thing but then we want you to adapt what it takes and actually create a work of your own others are trying to nullify the way that it can be used by asking for much more personal reflections. I think the latter doesn't really work because chat GPT will get better at bluffing. It is worth noting a lot of the stuff that has already been generated and submitted as we've seen on social media is not always the highest quality. So if students are listening to this, I would say you will get found out because at the minute, the text that is generated by AI, it doesn't really pass the smell test. You can just tell innately that this is not a person's work.
1: Well, we know how social media has been used to spread disinformation. How worrying are chatbots for democracy?
0: I think the one that worries a lot of people, particularly in kind of the political sphere, is the ability now to create huge volumes of text that are potentially inauthentic or can be weaponized for a political goal. Um, So, you know, we know about the disinformation armies that Russia and China and other countries have and how they essentially ask humans to pump out, you know, comments that are uh, supportive of the narrative that each country is trying to promote and are trying to undermine the kind of cohesion within communities that they're trying to target. That becomes much easier when you don't have to pay people to do that, when you can just ask ChatGPT or another tool to generate you know, 200 words of comments to be placed under a news story, arguing this and arguing against that. And you can then see how this kind of spins up to a scale that is really quite concerning.
1: So... It would be a greater threat to elections then.
0: It could very well be, yeah. I think that this is the thing. And this is why it's so important that we identify in a, a kind of reliable way what is generated by AI and what isn't. Um, and that's kind of you know the, the next frontier of what people are already trying to do is either figure out telltale signs of when text has been artificially generated or ask the makers of these things to integrate some sort of watermark that says this was the result of ChatGPT.
1: Do you think that's actually possible and that is where it would go? Will anyone actually install a digital watermark in that way?
0: Yes, OpenAI are already doing this, Uh, the the company behind ChatGPT. We know that they are in the process of developing a watermark that would be kind of burned in to all the text that it generates the issue with this is and this is where we get into the cat and mouse game which is always the case with tech none of these solutions are infallible and so as soon as someone develops a watermark the people who are doing it will then find a way around it that's just the nature of this uh, and I don't think that you know the good guys can ever win this, I think it's always going to be uh, a back and forth between both sides
1: Coming up Why does it matter which of the big tech companies wins the chatbot race?
2: Hey, everyone,
1: I've been on the go recently, Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago.
2: If you're like me and have a home, but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans
1: to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at
0: airbnb.com slash boast.
2: Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom today in focus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.comslash today in focus.
1: So, As we've discussed, OpenAI isn't the only player in this chatbot race. In fact, Microsoft have a stake in the company and Google have also developed their own chatbot. Do we have any idea of who might take the lead in this race?
0: I think it's OpenAI and Microsoft's to lose. So Uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT is now being used in Microsoft search engine Bing, and they are kind of in the ascendancy at the minute. Obviously, Google is a huge player in the field of search. I just think that at the minute, they've kind of been caught on the hop, and the issue around the unveiling of BARD, with the fact that they sort of seem to be caught on a flat-footing as OpenAI and ChatGPT has kind of, you know, stolen a march on them, it, it, it does look quite difficult for them to come back. But then again, Google's one of the biggest companies in the world. It has, you know, unbelievable resources to throw at this stuff, financial and also personnel-wise. So you'd be very, very foolish to count them out entirely.
1: And so out of those companies that we've talked about, does it really matter which one dominates the world of chatbots?
0: It does, because while they are all basically the same kind of product, it's important because the person that wins kind of dictates the, the lens through which we look at the world in an increasingly important way. And so... It you know, may be less so that it matters between the race between kind of Microsoft and Google, but there are, for instance, uh, competitors from outside the, the Western world that are starting to be developed. Baidu, which is the kind of Google of China, is developing its own version of this chat based search engine. Now, yeah, not naive enough to think that the political powers in the West are going to say, yes, Baidu, China's national search engine, please come into our countries and provide us with search tools. I think that would be naive. But it, it goes to show that the, the companies aren't just passive pass-throughs of this information. They are people who actually actively make a choice through the way that they code these tools and how they kind of prioritize the weighting of X or Y can change the way in which we we view the world. And that is very, very important.
1: Chris, I personally find the chatbot future dystopian and bleak. So can you please tell me, is there a chance that these chatbots are being overhyped?
0: Yeah, I think that there is. And it's because they, they do still have to come over a big hurdle which is that truthfulness aspect, the idea of not just making stuff up. And we've kind of seen the big warning signs with the Google unveiling. You know, People got very caught up, frankly, since November, in the fact that this is the big thing. And it is still the big thing. I, I, I do think that this is not a flash in the pan. But I do think that there is a kind of a misguided belief in the quality of its knowledge and what it actually does they don't think for themselves they just look at patterns and present the most logical pattern to the audience so they are overhyped in the sense that people are putting more faith and belief in them than they actually should but i do think still that they are going to change the world
1: chris thanks so much thank you That was Chris Stokel-Walker. He's a tech journalist and the author of TikTok Boom, China's Dynamite app and the superpower race for social media. If you want to know more about this story and about how technology is totally shaping our lives, do sign up to The Guardian's Techscape newsletter at theguardian.com for a weekly deep dive into all things tech. Two more things. First of all, I need to tell you about a very special Guardian live event from Monday the 17th of April, 8 to 9 p.m. It is your chance to see former Guardian columnist Gary Young joining The Guardian's Nezreen Malik to talk about his remarkable three decades in journalism in the U.S., in the U.K., and about his new book, which I would also recommend. It's called Dispatches from the Diaspora. Get your tickets at theguardian.com. Forward slash Gary Young dash live. And secondly, this is the last episode that I'll be presenting for a little while. ChatGPT isn't coming for my job yet, I promise, but I am taking a sabbatical and I'll be back in a few weeks, in the meantime, leaving you in the very capable hands of Michael Saffi and Hannah Moore. And that really is it today. This episode was produced by Thomas Glasser. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer is Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back tomorrow.
0: This is The Guardian.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?